For me, this is a heartbreaking chapter in God's Word. Uh, It is a chapter that I think challenges all of us to consider where we are in our walk with the Lord uh, and to, to see how easy it is to stray away from God. In As you go back into Numbers and you go back into Exodus and you see God dealing with His people, uh, in Numbers chapter 33, this is what God said, The Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab at Jordan at the Jericho, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their figured stones and destroy all their metal images and demolish their high places. And then a few verses later in in Numbers 33, God warns them if you don't drive out the inhabitants and you don't destroy those from before you, if you let them remain in the land, they will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side And they will trouble you in the land where you will dwell, and I will do to you as I thought to do to them. Now, what was God thinking about doing to them? Bringing destruction on them. And so God had given the children of Israel some very specific instructions. And in chapter 2 of Judges, look with me beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read most of this chapter. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum, And said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and I shall not make, and you shall not, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. And they called the name of the place Boachim, which literally means weepers. And they sacrificed their To the Lord. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went up each to his own inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen, or maybe we should say experienced firsthand, all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. In verse 8, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years, and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance, uh, Timnah-Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all the generation also who were gathered to their fathers, now listen to this, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. The Baals were the gods, the primary gods of the Canaanites who lived in that land. Uh, The primary god of the Baals was Baal himself. 
Baal was considered the thunder, God of thunder, God of uh, storms. Of course, we know who really created the storms, don't we? There's only one person that did that. It was the King of kings and Lord of lords. But the people served the Baals, verse 12, and they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and He gave them over to the plunderers who plundered them. And He sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned, and the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them, yet they did not listen to the judges. For they hoard, literally hoard after other gods and bow down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was uh, with them or with the judge, and He saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity or compassion by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after the other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and He said, Because this people has transgressed my covenant, and that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out from before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died, in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations not driving them out quickly, and He did not give them into the hand of Joshua." What a tragic, heartbreaking passage of Scripture. Does it break your heart when you read about God's people and how they turn their backs on the Lord? Notice first of all the price of disobedience. The angel of the Lord came. The angel of the Lord was sometimes God's uh, in, in human flesh. Sometimes we're talking about Jesus. Sometimes we're talking about an angel uh, the angel Gabriel was usually the one who made all the announcements. Uh, what we know is this angel basically quoted God's Word. So if it, it was either God or the angel speaking exactly what God was saying to them, he reminded them of what he had told them in Numbers 33, that if they did not drive out the nations, that they would be a snare to them. And that's exactly what happened God gave them specific instructions because He knew their hearts. Does God know our hearts today? Yes, He does. Just as good as He know, knew the hearts of His people back then. He knows our hearts. Uh, he knows that our hearts are easily bent towards sinning. He knows it's easy for us uh, 
as some people say, to fall out of the habit of serving the Lord. I don't think it's a habit. I think it's the heart. It's an issue of the heart. But some people, for example, had made going to church a habit and they fall out of the habit and they quit coming. Guys, it ought not to be a habit. It ought to be the love of our life. It ought to be to get to praise and to honor and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. But these people in Judges wanted gods that they could control and manipulate. Have we changed any in the world today? Do people still not want gods that they can control and manipulate? We serve, we don't maybe not serve gods of woods and stone, although some peoples in the world still do that. But we serve gods of money, gods of power, gods of influence. Uh, We serve gods of family. We serve gods of sports. We serve all kinds of different gods Because we think we can control and manipulate them to make them do what we want them to do. And God, we cannot do that with. Guys, God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. You and I can't make God do anything that He doesn't want to do. There's no way that we can do that. The true God is the sovereign Lord over all the earth. And what He purposes, He does. He is able to accomplish His will and his plans and his purposes of course in these days back in the old testament the holy spirit did not live in people he came up on people and so you and i who have the holy spirit we know how difficult i know how difficult it is personally to be faithful to god all the time i know how difficult it is not to give in to sin is it difficult for you as well and we have the holy spirit living within us they didn't have that So it was almost impossible for them to do what God wanted them to do. You and I have the Holy Spirit living within us and we need to fight every day to be faithful to God, to do what God has gifted us and called us and saved us to do. We need to fight against our sin nature every day. We need to remember what the hymn writer says, take away my bent to sinning. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to bring Him honor and glory. God brought judgment on His people because they did not obey Him. And guys, when you and I fail to obey God, when we are stubborn and hard-headed, when we want our way, when we want to try to control God, when we want to do what we want to do, God also judges us. The Bible makes it very clear in Hebrews and other places that God disciplines His children that He loves. Why does God discipline us? It's because He loves us. And He wants what's best for us. <coughs> and He knows serving Him is the best possible life that you and I could ever live. And so when you and I step out of line, God brings discipline. And just like you, when you deal with your children, the discipline increases, doesn't it? If a kid goes out in the middle of the street and you say, now, sweetheart, you can't go out in the street and play. If they go back out in the street, are you going to say, now, sweetheart, I said, you know, you can't go back out in that street and play again. No, you're probably going to get a little bit more stern. You're probably going to raise your voice. You may, you may have them put in time out. I don't know what your, whatever your form of punishment is to deal with your children. Uh, I, my dad just took his belt off and wore me out. I, you know, I know, I don't know about y'all, but that's what happened to me. I'm not saying that, but... 
The discipline increases until, until, until we yield our spirit to Him. God's discipline is not pleasant, but it's necessary. It's necessary for our well-being. As the Scriptures tell us in Hebrews 12, 11, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In other words, to those who give in to God and those who learn and those who yield the control of their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice another thing that we see in this passage of Scripture in Judges chapter 2 is that the importance of godly leaders. Do you know what it said? Notice what it says in verses 6 through 10 about these leaders. Uh, the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done. Uh, God, one of God's greatest gifts to His children are godly leaders. And I'm not talking about just pastors, although that's part of it. But what about a godly Sunday school teacher or a godly deacon? Uh, somebody that you can look up to. Now, I know you guys are, are pretty faithful, but if some of the folks out there listening to me that are going to listen to this sermon later when we post it to Facebook, if you don't have a mentor or a godly person that you look up to, look, at, look for somebody, find somebody. These people had seen the mighty works of God, and I have no doubt that they, they helped to talk to that generation about who God was and about the importance of following God and what God wanted them to do. Uh, and so I just encourage you, find somebody that's further along in their walk with the Lord than you are and let them help you learn what it means to walk after God, to follow after Him. These godly leaders led a whole generation, a whole nation to continue to be faithful to God. But the minute they died, notice what's happened. What happened the minute they died? There arose another generation who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. Now, when this passage says they didn't know the work that God had done, it almost sounds like the former generation never taught them about the things of God. I don't think that's what it means. What I think it means is this generation talked about God and led them about God, but that word know sometimes is translated acknowledge. So there grew up a generation who did not acknowledge that God was the Lord, sovereign Lord of the universe. And they didn't want to submit. Let me give you a for instance. One place that that word is translated acknowledge is found in Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. So the word know in this context means that these people that didn't, it wasn't that they didn't know about Him, they just refused to submit to His Lordship in their life. Instead of accepting God's grace, instead of accepting their responsibilities, because as a member of the Israelite people, they were under God's covenant. You remember what God had told them in Exodus 19? If you obey me, then you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And God talked about all the blessings that would be theirs if they lived in obedience to God. They had responsibilities as part of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. That's the, the, the thing that sealed the covenant was the very first thing. 
What's the very first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Second one is thou shalt not make any graven image. So this generation that grew up broke the first two commandments because they refused to worship God and they began worshiping idols and they literally provoked God to anger. I don't know about you, but I don't want God mad at me. But God is, the Bible says God, God Himself told Moses, He said, the Lord is a jealous God. He does not take rivals easily. God is the only one that deserves glory. He said, I am the Lord and my glory I will not give to another. He's not going to give it to an idol. He's not going to give it to another person. He alone deserves the glory and the honor and the praise. Can you imagine what it must have done to God's heart to see His own people bowing down before little bitty gold statues or clay statues or silver statues or wooden statues calling an inanimate object God thing can't even get up and walk across the room if it goes from one place to another you have to load it up on a beast of burden and take it somewhere else that's one of the things one of the prophets pointed out it's foolish to worship idols because idols cannot save they cannot satisfy the deepest longing <clears throat> that is in our hearts for 300 years, as you go through the book of Judges, for 300 years, they lived in a terrible cycle. They went from apostasy, which means turning your, turning your back on God. Apostatize means to leave the faith, to turn your back on the faith. They went from apostasy to judgment and servitude under their enemies to crying out to God in supplication, asking for God's help. Because God was moved from compa for com with compassion over His people. He responded to their prayers. He would raise up a judge. As long as that judge served Israel, God would allow that judge to defeat their enemies. But as you notice here, even they, they wouldn't even follow the, the lead of their, the judges who tried to follow God. They continued to worship their idols. As soon as they were delivered... <clears throat> At the hand, uh, by, the, by the hand of the judge, as soon as they got delivered, they went into a time period of rest. What happened when they began to rest? They went back to worshiping idols again until God allowed that whole process. They apostatized against God. Uh, there was uh, judgment. There was uh, supplication or crying out for help. There was deliverance and there was rest. And they went through that cycle time and time and time again. The only problem was every time they went through that cycle, they moved further and further and further away from God. I picture it like a tornado. You know, up the top of a tornado, you've got this really big part up here. And then it kind of circles down to a little bitty point down at the bottom. Well, they're circling down further and further and further away from God. Every time they go through this cycle... What a great tragedy when God's people abandon the Lord. How many Christian people do you know? Even long before COVID ever happened, how many Christian people do you know that have really abandoned the Lord? They've abandoned their responsibility to the Lord's church. Uh, 
Think about that for just a minute. I remember when I first got here, I remember we had a list of names of young couples that we went out to visit for about the first three to five to six months that I was here. We knocked on doors. We went and talked to them. They basically had no excuse. They just, they, they would say they were coming back and they never did. Uh, their hearts were cold. They, they were not interested in coming back to God's house and they're still not, as far as I know, going anywhere. They literally have abandoned their responsibilities and their commitment to God. I wonder how many Christians across this planet are worshiping the idols of this age rather than worshiping the one true God. What a great tragedy when God's people abandon Him. Let me ask you a question. And I think it's a question that we ought to ask ourselves every day. And it's a question I ask myself. Lord, has my heart grown cold towards you? Has my heart grown cold towards the things that bring you great joy and great pleasure? I think you and I need to ask ourselves that question all the time. The Bible tells us that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. God has been working in these days, maybe even through this pandemic, to call some people back to Him. I wonder if they're listening. I'm wondering if their heart has become so cold that like these people in the Old Testament... They have no love for the things of God. Their love literally has grown cold. Remember what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea? Because you're neither hot nor cold, what am I to do? He said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Now that doesn't sound very pleasant, but that's exactly the word he uses. He talks to the church at Ephesus and he says, you've left your first love, repent or else. I'm coming in judgment. Guys, God is a loving and a gracious and a caring God. And and His grace and His mercy are new every day. But if you and I continue to walk down the path of following idols, if we continue to let our hearts grow cold to the things of God, if we continue to ignore our responsibilities to the New Testament church, God will discipline us until we start paying attention. We have been bought with a price and we've been called upon to glorify God in everything that we do. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. Notice God's mercy though in all the midst of all this stuff. In verse 18 it says, Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and He saved them from their enemies. For the Lord was moved to pity or compassion by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. Guys, I'm so thankful that God pities us and He has mercy on us every day. His mercies are new each and every morning. God wants the very best for us and He loves us with an everlasting love. The best possible life that we could live is a life lived in obedience to God. And sometimes because of our hearts, we don't want to be obedient to God. We want what we want and we don't care what God says. Guys, we need to care for our souls. 
we need to spend time search, searching in the Lord's face. As, Mo, as God, you remember God, Moses asked for the privilege of getting to see God, didn't he? And God says, well, nobody can look upon my face and live, but he said, I'll walk past you and I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. Be a good name for a song, Adam. Hide my soul in the cleft of the rock. Y'all never heard that song before, I'm sure. But, but he literally put his hand over where Moses was up in this cave, carved out part of this rock up here. And when God walked by, this is what Moses heard. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will in no wise clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, the children's children to the third and fourth generation? Guys, because of God's great mercy, He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. To die in our place, in my place, in your place. He died, so He took our punishment upon Himself. And as Isaiah says, it is by His stripes that we are healed. God has shown us just a measurable amount of love at the cross. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God cares for you. God cares about all of us. But God does not turn a blind eye when we bow down and worship and follow other gods. When we worship and follow other gods, we provoke God to anger. Isn't it sad? 300 years of going through apostasy, worshiping idols, going into bondage and servitude, crying out to God, God raising up a judge, God delivering His people. And yet even when the judges were amongst them, they still continued to worship idols. You might remember the story of Gideon. He rose up after he was called by God to lead the people. And chopped up all the gods of his daddy, his parents, and his brothers and sisters. And the next morning when everybody got up and the idols were smashed and torn to smithereens, they wanted to know who did it because they were going to kill him. Here Gideon was trying to do God's will and Gideon was a judge that God raised up to save his people. Gideon was the one who entered into battle with just 300 men. He told 10,000 people to go home. And God delivered with 300 people because it wasn't, the battle was God's, it wasn't Gideon's. And yet these people continued to bow down and worship an inanimate object that absolutely could not make any difference. I don't care what your God is. This world is the Lord's and everything in it, the fullness thereof is what the Bible tells us. If you're worshiping the idol of money, God can take that money away from you in five seconds. It wouldn't even take that long. All He has to do is speak the word and it'll all be gone. If you're, if you're worshiping the idol of sports, I, I don't know how you worship the idols of sports, but I know some people do. But you, you know, the, your team doesn't always win, does it? Maybe unless you're Alabama, I don't know. Maybe they do. But Can sports make you well when you're sick? Can sports heal your soul of sin? Of course it can't. 
Can your job, I mean, ask, ask people who've worked their whole life, they've gone on to retire. Five minutes after you're gone, they got somebody else in your spot and they, you're not even missed anymore. It's just the way life is. Guys, don't, we, we need to guard our hearts and make sure that we're worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. For those of you who have remained faithful, I'm talking about the people in this room and the people out in the parking lot that I know have been here. For you guys that have been faithful during these days, I know that God's blessed you because God's promised to bless faithfulness. He's promised to bless us when we are faithful to do what He asks us to do. May we forever be thankful that God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and placed us in the kingdom of His dear Son. May we praise Him and worship Him day in and day out until He calls us home to glory. May we run the race with endurance, with our eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. For those of us, and I'm speaking to Rock Hill Baptist Church members, for those of us who quit being faithful to God, we just kind of let everything go. And I know I'm not talking about the people in this room. I'm talking about people watching on the video. For those who have abandoned God's house and God's people, it's time to come back. It's time to be faithful to the Lord. It wasn't every time to leave in the first place. We've been open. We've only missed one Sunday, I think, completely closed down the whole time this thing's been going on. You need to be back. You need to be serving the Lord. Guys, it is so easy to go the way of the world and to drift. We must guard our hearts. And we must live in obedience to the one who has saved us. We have been bought with a price. Therefore, we need to glorify God in the way in which we live our lives. And if anybody doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you just need to understand God loves you. He created you. And He wants you to enter into a relationship with Him. You're not going to get that relationship from the gods of this world. They will not fill up the vacuum that's in your heart. There's only one person that can do that. It's God. It's just encourage you to put your faith and trust in Him today. And find Him a God who's faithful, a God who will walk alongside you, a God who will transform you from the inside out. That's the God that we serve and the God that we know. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.